If you want to pump your body and expand your mind, there's only one place to go. Mind Pump. Mind Pump. With your hosts, Sal Stefano, Adam Schaefer, and Justin Andrews. You just found the world's number one fitness, health, and entertainment podcast. This is Mind Pump, right? Today's episode, we answered live callers' questions, but this was after a 54-minute introductory conversation. We talked about current events, uh, our lives, fitness, studies, science, and much more. Um, by the way, you can check the show notes for timestamps so you can fast forward to your favorite part. Also, if you want to be on an episode like this where we answer your question live, go to live at mindpumpmedia.com, email your question to them, and then if we like it, we'll put you on an episode like this one. Now, this episode is brought to you by some sponsors. The first one is Ned. So this is hemp oil extract, very high in CBD, but also all of the other beneficial cannabinoids. This is the only high CBD product I've ever taken that actually felt. Every other CBD product I take it, and I'm like, I don't know, is it doing anything? Not Ned. Take Ned. Wait about 30 to 45 minutes. You'll feel it. This stuff is legit. Go check them out. Head over to helloned.com. That's H-E-L-L-O-N-E-D.com forward slash mind pump. Use the code mind pump and get 15% off. This episode is also brought to you by Magic Spoon. This is high protein, grain-free cereal. It's whey protein. No joke. It's whey protein cereal, and it tastes like the cereal that you ate when you were a kid watching Saturday morning cartoons. I'm not making this up. It's delicious. It's high in protein. It's grain-free. It's great stuff. It's a supplement, but it's cereal. Try it out. Head over to magicspoon.com forward slash mind pump. Use the code mind pump for $5 off your purchase. Also, we got a sale going on right now. We have an introductory strength training program called Map Starter. We put that 50% off. We also have a bundle called the Prime Bundle, which is correctional exercise programs. It's Maps Prime and Maps Prime Pro. So there's two of them there. That's also 50% off. So if you're interested, go to mapsfitnessproducts.com and then use the code AUGUST50 for the 50% off discount. All right, here comes the show. T-shirt time! And it's T-shirt time. Oh, shit, Doug. You know it's my favorite time of the week. This week, we have five reviews, three from Apple Podcasts, two from Facebook. The Apple Podcast winners are Certified Ninja. Oh, shit. This is my Honest Nine gag review. Yes, I'm a female and highly educated is the third one. Uh, some very fancy names today. And for Facebook, we have Jimmy Tallo and Jeremy Brown. All five of you are winners. Send the name I just read to iTunes at mindpumpmedia.com. Include your shirt size and your shipping address, and we'll get that shirt right out to you. A little bit of exercise every single day is superior to a lot of exercise done maybe two days a week. You know, um, this is starting to become a topic now that's going mainstream. There was that study that we brought up uh, before that compared, you know, five days a week of, of uh, exercise to two or three days a week of exercise, all things being equal. So they did like a, a, a bicep curl and they did the same amount of sets total for the week and they did, you know, one group Five days a week, they did less sets. Um, the other group did more sets, two days a week, all things being equal. Mm -hmm. And the more frequent group did better in uh, in terms of muscle growth and adaptations. In studies with longevity um, and health, it's the same thing. People who work out a little bit every day uh, are tend to be better off than people who work out less frequently but do a lot on other days. So even if the time, the total time is equated or equal, the frequency makes uh, the biggest difference. And I noticed this with clients. I noticed this with myself. And I think this is a better message that uh, needs to be communicated. I feel like you love this message. It's like 
it's almost like it's coming back yeah. full circle. Yeah. You know, this is uh, the, the more science, the more research, the more knowledge, the more experience we all have. The irony is that we, we, we tend to be coming back to mm -hmm. a, a lot of old tested ways that yeah. uh, we didn't have a lot of science to prove that it was superior. And it was just kind of how we did things uh, based off of what we could observe. Mm -hmm. uh, and that kind of moved us forward. And then we get all this great you know, technology that helps us do all this great research. And then we become, you know, it's funny too, what you're talking about right now. Um, you know, I was just recently looking at a post uh, <clears throat> that was on impact theory and Ben Greenfield, I would consider our, our, you know, biohacking pseudoscience type of friend. And yeah, I, yeah. and I, and I don't say pseudoscience in a, in a, in a slide, like it's, it's meant, I think that just, he's been, he goes, he goes cutting, cutting edge. And he talks about stuff that is maybe some animal studies, observations, and he breaks it down. We do a lot of self experiments also. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and that I, and I saw underneath there, our other friend Lane, just blasting Tom Bilyeu for having him and other people in the space. And, what I'm reminded of is just like I don't know how how arrogant we've become uh, when it comes to science that we just uh, we we all become very dogmatic about our beliefs and then we we fight with each other and and we start to argue over these little nuanced small details in in the grand scheme of things when it comes to you know helping somebody be healthier and and, and live a better life and we've lost sight mm. of the most simple obvious basic advice that could truly shape and help somebody for the rest of their life. And, and I feel like what you're talking about right now is so, so simple and basic and, and it's not, you know, it over just describes like human behavior. Like this is something that we know um, people are more likely to uh, adopt because it's something that's like, it's not, uh, doesn't take like the most, um, the most effort to, and for you to like involve yourself a hundred percent into this intense type of a workout that's draining. And, um, you know, it requires a longer amount of time, uh, and it's, it's infrequent. So if it's frequent, it's less demanding. It, the intensity is a little bit lower. You string it out longer. You're just going to be yeah. more likely Look, to have success. I'll use an extreme example of that. Okay. So imagine if we took two groups of people and the, and let's say the goal was, Longevity and health. Okay, those that's the that, that's the goals. So let's let's see which group has better markers of longevity and health. And on one group, we said once a week we want you to go for a three and a half hour walk. So every Saturday, scheduled three and a half hours. The other group, thirty minutes a day. Okay, it adds up to the same. It adds up to the same total time. Which group is going to have less injuries? Which group is going to have better health markers? Yeah. Which group is and and this is something that we never consider in the fitness space, never. And this is the thing you should consider first and foremost, always. And you learn this as a trainer after decades of training people, which one is more likely to lead to consistent behaviors? Is it is it easier to get the average person to do a three and a half hour walk a, a, once a week or to get them to walk 30 minutes a day, Yeah, right? We don't consider those things. So that's an extreme example of what I'm talking about. Well, you're also, you're well, also explaining uh, cardio, right? Walking or hiking and what I think is interesting about the study that you're referencing is that this has to do with strength training. All I, I, I now, of course, we could get so extreme that it gets ridiculous, okay. but this is true for any activity, any learning, any type of adaptation. You're better off with frequent exposure than you are with infrequent, intense, long exposure. Unless your goal is, unless the goal is, 
let's train your mental fortitude. Like I want to teach someone to be able to weather the storm and just go mm. crazy, you know. And okay, then the three and a half hour walk might teach you to just just ignore your body signals and all that stuff. But we're talking about the most important stuff in health and fitness, which is longevity, uh, consistency. That's the biggest problem. Well, it's general pop population stuff. It's, yes. This isn't like we're not talking about sports. We're not talking about bodybuilders. We're not talking about, you know, it, that sort of um, – part of the population we're talking about your everyday average person like what how can we get them to buy into it uh without too much a uh, barrier in front of them? yeah well imagine this imagine you got two people arguing with each other who's uh well i work out i do uh two 35 minute workouts a week where i lift weights and the other guy goes well i do 10 minutes a day and he's like well that's 10 minutes a day is not enough add up the time it's the same and the studies will show are starting to show what we've all experienced which is the 10 minutes a day probably is a little bit better, especially when it comes to, like I said, the behavior consistency aspect. You know, you know what's funny? Uh, this is how well proven this is. You guys ever remember the old school birth control that came in the, it was like yeah. the circular yeah, thing. And like two days were sugar pills or whatever. They would put in placebo pills yeah. in there yeah, because they, they knew studies would show quite clearly that if women skip days, they were less likely to be consistent mm -hmm. rather than just take one every day. And then some of these are fake and some of them are real. So you'll have the days off that you're supposed to have or whatever. Now I know <sighs> birth control is differently these days or whatever, but, uh, but that's kind of the point I'm trying to make. Now to what you're saying, Adam, I think it's important to understand something. There's two things that are, are that we need to get here. One is there are a lot of bullshit artists. There are a lot of people with nefarious intent in every market and that's true for the fitness and health market. Okay. There are people that are just trying to sell you crap that are just trying to make a buck that are going to prey on your insecurities. In fact, they call that, um, you know, finding someone's, uh, pain points. Okay. If you've ever taken a sales course, they'll use this, use, find someone's pain point, right? In fitness, it's, uh, you feel bad about yourself. You're ugly, yeah. you're fat, you're not sexy. Okay. So those are pain points and they use those. So they, they manipulate people through these pain points. Very effective to get people to buy something short term. It's very ineffective to give someone long-term successful results. It's also easier to sell than it is doing the right way. So, th so our space is filled with that. However, there are people in our space who have really good intentions, who truly want to help people. And does that mean that everything they say is going to be 100% accurate? Or does that mean that they're going to communicate everything in the perfect way? No. But my goal, and I, I, we've talked about this, is to elevate the people with the good intentions because they they modify their message. They're, they're the ones that say, oh, I was wrong about that. They're the ones that say, wait, is that really helping people? And we've identified that there's some good people in space. And guess what? You just brought two of them up, which they don't like each other. Right. Lane Norton, Ben Greenfield. And they constantly, especially Lane. Lane tends to go after Ben all the time because Ben is the, the biohacker guy. But Ben's got really good, he's a really good guy. He really wants to help people. Well, I'm less interested in what you say and I'm more interested in what you do. Yeah. And I think we we know both those guys mm -hmm. really well. Um, They're both good people. Really, really well. Yeah. Like I, I, would consider, uh, I would consider all of us friends. Um, and even though we don't collectively hang out all together because they're not friends, um, I, I think both of them have really good intentions. Whatever it is, uh, the mechanism that drives them to pursue greatness in their space, whatever that that matters less to me. Um, but their their intent is to truly to is to help and educate people. And you can see that. I mean, we've all been to Ben's house multiple times. I know Justin stayed with him for the weekend, and like you can tell by the way he lives his life that he's not some you know pseudo. Like I, I saw somebody called him a pseudoscience grifter. 
mean, the guy's not out trying to make a bunch of money off of people. Even the way, be honest with you, and I've and I've criticized Ben off air with the, these guys that he's not this like super business go make a ton of money guy. Like that's not his the way he's structured his business. He's he's very conservative with his money, and he doesn't spend it frivolously and he's not trying it's, he doesn't even pay attention to us in fact he spends i think sometimes even more money on educating himself every year than he does on probably producing more revenue yeah. for his business so yeah. Yeah. i mean i just and you know and, and, and to be clear uh we've disagreed with both lane and ben that's right many times just like i disagree with you guys sometimes you guys are my best friends um so i think it's silly and here's the part that sucks is the like let's, the consumers lost? Well, let's fight each other yeah. and and let's create camps. Yeah. Meanwhile, who loses? Right, the average person. This, yeah, this whole division thing, right? When when <laughs> there's such a bigger picture out there that we need to to be a light and a shining example to help you know whoever else that uh, might need to hear certain messages in a different form. That's the other thing too. It's like you know maybe they're coming from a different perspective, but again, the intent of it is you see the intent of where they're trying to. Uh, convey that message to Here. to kind of bring people into a better situation. Just, just to be even, I'll criticize both of them right now. I know, and I, if you guys are watching this, you guys know I love you. So uh, this is I'm just going to criticize you both. Ben loves to promote essential amino acids. Okay, we've said many times essential amino acid supplements are a waste of money if you eat a lot of protein. If you eat enough protein, supplementing with essential amino acids is a waste of money. Now, why does Ben promote essential amino acids? He's a big promoter of fasting, skipping meals, eating low calories. Also endurance training. Crazy endurance training. Okay, in those contexts, it actually makes sense yeah, in many cases. If you're sense. not eating a lot of protein, if you're fasting a lot, if you're doing that kind of stuff, essential amino acids actually make a big difference. For the average person, we always say try to get a lot of protein and then don't waste your money on essential amino acids. Okay, uh, Lane. Lane did a post recently and I actually commented underneath it where he said uh, he criticized people who say that some foods are addictive. Foods aren't addictive, you know. It's the, I said, <laughs> and I said, look, I get what he's where he's coming from in the sense that, uh, you know, it's not like cocaine or you know, people aren't you know, <laughs> turning tricks on the corner yeah. for fast food or whatever. However, it's proven, it's a fact that foods that have that create more rewards to the body in terms of. Dopamine's, you know, serotonin, like hyperbolic well, there's, there's foods. A, there's in a mechanistic addiction, and then there's a behavioral addiction. And right, and so so foods that make you feel good real quick, like hyperpalatable foods, are more likely to be addictive and have people abuse foods the way that people can abuse drugs. Yes. So then, yes, you can say that some foods are more addictive than others. So that's what I said to him in the in in my comment, and that's where I oppose what he's saying when he tries to make everything kind of a little more black and white. But both guys are. Uh, very, very good intentions, lots of integrity. And Lane and Ben are both the kind of people that would sit there and if shown the right evidence, made the right argument, totally. they'd say, oh yeah, I agree. I'm sorry. That was wrong. Yeah, I, don't totally. what I, said. I just I see him as like, one's a lot more of a clinical background perspective, you know, study heavy, like controlled uh, environment. One is like, you know, out there sort of like experimenting, self-experimenting kind of a little bit more on the theoretical. Fringe. Listen, I said this on the show many times in defense of Ben is like, there is no other person. Okay. We've been doing this now for seven plus years. We've met hundreds of brilliant minds in the yeah. health and fitness space. Hundreds by now. Okay. There is no person I have yet to meet that I would rather <clears throat> go out and test all these fringe things and report back to me what he thinks. Yeah. And respect his opinion. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's Ben. 
And so I don't care. So you don't, it doesn't mean you need to, I, I don't adopt 95% of the stuff he talks about because I'm not interested in that. But I, but I, I'm, I'm curious enough to hear what he's doing with it and his feedback on it, because I think he's one of the best people to go do that because he's really smart and he's extremely, one of the most consistent, most disciplined people I've ever met in my life. And if somebody is going to be doing fringe stuff and then reporting back on what they notice, though that's the person that I want to know. Yeah. Like yeah. I don't want you need outliers. Yes. You know, you need people to test the system. Like it's great to have an airtight system that you think is airtight, but then you need people to test that from the outside. Yes. Uh to really get even more knowledge that we can all benefit from. Yeah, so the, you need both of those things. Here's the enemy. The enemy is people who are trying to rip people off, who are purposefully lying, and who are preying on the average consumer's insecurities in order to sell their products. Here's the good guys. Everybody that truly wants to help people. Now, you know what's in this category of good guys? Bodybuilders, could be powerlifters, crossfitters, people who use kettlebells, mm -hmm. biohackers, people who believe in minimalism, people who are like strictly about clinical Western, you know, science data, people who are about Chinese medicine, Ayurvedic medicine. Right. Now they're all different, but they need to stop fighting each other. Over, over certain things. In fact, I would love to see discussions and debates. Like, I, I never, I'll never forget this. I remember I had this great discussion with the acu this acupuncturist who used to rent space in my studio. I mean, back in the day when I had my studio, I was your typical <clears throat> trainer. I knew exercises, I knew calories, and I knew macros. That was it. Wellness was not a part of my uh, vernacular. Yeah. It wasn't what I understood. I didn't talk about behaviors at this particular time. I was very much really good at knowing the trainer stuff and that was it. But I brought in an acupuncturist because I knew that consumers valued them. Okay. I didn't believe in it personally, but for me, but I had clients that said, Hey, it works for me. I like it. And I said, you know what? I want to offer a place where if somebody wants acupuncture, they'll come here and then maybe I'll, they'll, they'll see me and I'll be able to talk to them as well. And then if the acupuncturist doesn't do a good job, I can always boot them type of deal. Right. So that was my attitude. At least I was open in that sense. Well, anyway, when I would meet with the acupuncturist, we would have these discussions and she was very open and I'd say, so, so how does it work? Because I've seen a couple studies that show that it actually reduces pain for some people. I tend to believe it's placebo, you know, please don't take this the wrong way, but like explain to me. And she goes, well, it's the, it's the way that chi flows through the body. And so she's explaining it from Chinese medicine perspective, which I had zero exposure to understanding everything at that point for me was very at the most Western medical you know, medicine. Yeah. So she's saying that, and I'm listening and I'm like, okay, you know, there's this Chinese energy, you know, chi flowing through the body and it gets blocked and they have to open up the meridians and she's saying all this stuff. Well, anyway, later on that day, I'm training one of my surgeon clients and he's talking about uh, referred pain, I think was a term where like a real, real common one is your left arm starts to hurt. That can often mean that you have a heart attack, right? That you're having a heart attack. Yeah. And there's lots of cases like that where, Something hurts one place and it means something else. Right. And I said, oh, the central nervous system kind of works in a very strange way. And I wonder if putting needles in the body just gets the CNS yeah. to communicate or for you to perceive the communications differently. Creates so I went feedback. to the Chinese medicine, to the, to the acupuncturist, and I said, you know what's funny? I said, I know you speak a different language than Western medicine doctors, said, but they talk about central nervous system and how, you know, how if there's something off of the communication or if I'm depressed or sad, that can cause pain. I said, I wonder if we're just speaking a different language. She goes, oh, that makes a lot of, and we had this wonderful discussion yeah. after that. But you know what? She wants to help people. I want to help people. 
So rather than being like, your way's wrong, like, yeah. okay, let's figure this out and work There's together. There's different terms and things yes. culturally, like, like people are raised with and grow up with. And so they understand things like in terms of like how you describe things a little bit differently. And so does not mean that it's, you know, com to completely like abandon that because it's not using clinical terms? Um, so I, I just, I find that just, uh, it's, it's arrogance, I think is, I guess is the best word to describe most of like what I see in terms of like when people really get into fights about it, because they're, they're adamant that they're right. It, which is to me is always a red flag yeah. because you, you, you know, like I, it's more than that. It's I'm right and you're wrong. Yeah. It's well, because yeah. we're, I feel like sometimes we're becoming dumber and more divisive. Like, yeah. like that's it's it's literally and, and a lot of it has to do unfortunately yeah. with the way we consume content now right it's it's the the every year you, a new report comes out on the the attention span and how fast you you how little a time you have to capture someone's attention so you get these little sound bites right so you got i don't know how many hundreds of people commenting on that the posts that we're referring to right now where it's a clip of ben speaking for 30 seconds yeah and he's saying basically the benefits of fasting post-workout. Um, now, I haven't listened to the whole podcast at all, but I bet you he's being nuanced and saying, well, you you know, if you, if you eat right afterwards, maybe it'll benefit you if you're going to work out again. But here's in a case where fasting may be. I bet you that's what he said. I'm going to guess. I didn't listen to the whole thing. Nonetheless, what he's saying is also true. And in some contexts, I would actually, rec I used to tell some clients I I, if you to go not eat after If you go sometimes. back far enough in this podcast, when I was competing I and I go into a cut, this was one of the first meals I cut out was post-workout. That was, I would train and then I would extend my, I would extend the meal for as long as I could until the next one. That was one of the first things that I did when I started to restrict calories, the first meal to yeah. go. Now, when the when I was trying to bulk, the opposite. I was always in a hurry to get more food in every two hours or less because I had the amount of calories right. I had to consume. And so I would be shake at the gym and then I would do eating again mm -hmm. 30 minutes later, another meal. Well, quickly, when I would go the other direction, those are the first two that I, and I felt amazing from that. And this is just my own experience. It was something that I continued to do the entire time I competed. So, yeah. well, with gut health issues, uh, eating in an inflamed state. So, if you have yeah, a really intense a workout idea. and then you eat afterwards, you could actually, you might actually cause yourself some gastro distress, some inflammation in the gut. By the right. way, do you, I remember I used to have a, a, a practitioner in my studio. They used to talk about leaky gut syndrome. And the, I remember that, you know, again, I had doctors that would come in and work out and they used to smirk. They would scoff at And that scoff term. and yeah. laugh. Oh, leaky gut syndrome. Oh, that's so ridiculous. This, you know, pseudoscience bullshit. You know what they call that now? Yeah. Intestinal hyperpermeability. No, that's a medical <laughs> term for it now because they've identified that. Totally different. It's a real thing. What about um, adrenal fatigue? Oh God, adrenal! Your adrenals don't get fatigued. That's baloney. You know what they call it now? Yeah. HPA axis dysfunction. dysfunction. Yeah. So the adrenals don't get fatigued, but the symptoms are the same. They just didn't really call it the right thing. Yeah. So this is where things get a little silly yeah. to me. And what happens is we end up. You know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of the 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 political elite. And what they do is they're really good at getting everybody to fight with each other so they ignore who the hell is like who's really causing the exactly. shit. Exactly. So we're over here fighting each other over a bunch of stuff. They just Meanwhile, change definitions and words and then uh yeah, like to pretend that they're right the whole time. Yeah, and then and then meanwhile they're up there, you know, raking it in and, and you know, acting the same or whatever. So anyway, yeah. I just you know, we need to kind of work together because the common enemy is obesity, poor health, poor mental health. And the answers to that are in our space. 
but we get in our own way all the time. I hate seeing it. I hate seeing it when we get. In our I, own you way. know, it's it so used annoying. to fire me up more than it does now. Now I'm just like we're at a we're now at a size that we're impacting enough people and we're helping enough people that my attitude now is just like if you guys can't figure it out, watch us. Yeah. That's my attitude. Like, if you can't, if you can't figure out how to work together and help people improve themselves instead of attacking each other and trying to put people down all the time to, to get a leg up, okay, fine. Don't. You can just watch us because I think the right and better message will eventually mm -hmm. win. And that's what we've experienced in this whole process that we've been going through. This is that, you know, we didn't have this overnight success. It wasn't this, you know, oh, we turned these things on and we created some viral stuff mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden, oh, yeah, here came all the success. Like, it's been a slow grind and process of yes. communicating the same message over and over thousands of different it's ways. It's always going to be tempting because conflict and um, drama is always going to bring eyes and ears and attention. And uh, a lot of these health professionals, they get sucked into that and they look at the likes, look at the con they look at the activity yeah. and just how it elevates their business. But now they're losing their, uh, their message and their integrity along the way. By the way, Okay, speaking of like being able to put a message out to just trick everybody to just to show how easy it is to put out misinformation to get everybody to act in a particular way. Um, that video you sent oh on, my the, God. on the uh, Board the, Ape Yacht Club. The Board Ape Yacht Club. The largest, most Dude. successful NFT project to date. And it was a, a it's a Biggest massive manipulation in history. It's probably. a massive troll job. Yeah. Massive. So, so uh, for people who don't know, so 4chan is this like super. Were you aware of 4chan before this? I'd never been on it. So I wasn't aware of it until okay. I watched that video. Okay. So I've never been on it, but I do know that this is basically like uh, it's anarchy of the internet. Like you can it's say it's anonymous, anything. so they can go on there and anonymously like put post whatever like horrible shit they want to. It's almost like. They're, they're being a character, you know, and they're like, ooh, I'm doing, uh, I'm posting all this like uh, controversial stuff and nobody's going to know it's yeah. me. But also you, you end up getting these groups that, that connect on there. Yeah. And then they, by the way, 4chan is responsible for many of the viral memes. That, yeah. That meme culture out. is uh, originated from there. Yeah. Like, uh, like uh, messages that come out. It all starts and originates there, and then it filters through, you know, Reddit and then normal social media. For example, here's another troll job they did. They literally on 4chan said we are gonna we're gonna troll everybody into thinking that the OK sign, this right here, which yeah. which we've been doing since we were forever. Remember when that hit the news? Yes, they said we're gonna convince everybody that's a white supremacist sign. Yeah, and they did. Yeah. They did. They actually they actually got, got arrested. Some white supremacist groups started using it. Then the news started flying with it. All of a sudden there are pictures of celebrities doing this very in, you know, innocuous, like innocent thing. Oh my God, Mel Gibson. Oh my God, you know. <laughs> Mike Tyson. Holy cow. I don't know. He's a white supremacist. You're like, wait a minute, what's going on here? And it was all a troll job. Yeah. And they totally succeeded. This video on board the board API club. Oh shit. It is the deep it's the deepest troll I've ever seen in my life. And and not only that, but they actually structured it in a way that they like they thought of an escape plan too, right? Mm -hmm. So like if you did something, what I think was I mean, I, I hate to say it, but there's a lot of brilliance behind what they did. You know, uh, of course, the messaging they tied themselves to with racism and Nazi, like that's terrible. But I think it's really coming from people that are not. 
at all. And I think that because there's no racist ties to them, I mean, you have a you have a Jewish guy, a Pakistani guy, like a yeah. like an Iranian guy, and like four different dudes. It's just like the the idea that they're this white supremacist group is could is crazy. No, what they are is they're basically like they're creators, and and also like, hey, let's just show everybody how, how yeah they're exposing how how like group mind like how much of sheep we are, and let's let's cause a bunch of shit and laugh about it, right? Because this whole thing, I mean, it's if you watch this video. The board ape yacht club like NFTs are packed full of Nazi symbolism, uh, uh, you know, white supremacy type stuff. Co there's so much of it; it's not there's there's not a coincidence. They 100. percent Oh, it's an did layers this to on fuck layers with everybody. on layers. So I the best part is celebrities adopted it oh and drove God. the price through the roof of these things. How much oh. are they worth? Something billion? Oh, uh, yeah, billion they're, yeah, they're worth over a over billion dollars. And like indivi the individual NFTs, like so, the individual apes, I think range from like as on the low end, like 150k to I think some of them sell over a million dollars for some of these. Like, do you think that the the price of them is going to go up or down? Now? So here's this the thing. is all coming. Okay, so I was telling Katrina this, yeah. and she's like, well. You just sell it then. I'm like, okay. So now you hear, you get wind that it's this race thing. So you profit off of yeah. it. People find out you made then, money. That's off right. Of then people find out you profit and made money off of it. And she's like, oh, okay. It's well, then you just look. burn it, and then you don't use it because you can't destroy it. Okay. Well, then you destroy. You basically light on fire half a million dollars. Yeah. Like what a crazy fucking predicament they put everybody in. Now. You also don't want to. You don't want to admit that it may be true. Yep. So you may be like, I'm just going to sit over here and be quiet. Well, no, they gave, they gave, okay. So that was the part of what, and I, and I know I, brilliance is the word I'm using because I can't think of a, a better term for it because I, I think it was just so crafty what, what they did, but they gave themselves plausible deniability mm -hmm. because, because there are no real ties to them like that. And they actually have like kind of a plausible story on why they're all like that. They put the fit, they put a, a different CEO as the face of the brand yeah. who has been told her own story and is defensive about all that. And so they've really kind of covered all their tracks and they could kind of, and that's why it still exists. I've never seen something that has so many crazy racist, white supremacist type ties to it that is, has not been blasted and shut you down. You know what it shows? Well, the creators too. I mean, they were, uh, what fictional writers, yes. creative writers. Yeah. Two of them like were creative they, writers. I mean, you could tell like there's just layers on layers, like somebody that came up with like game of Thrones, right. Yeah. For instance, and like all the different characters, all the different scenarios, like they took pulled from history, like all these different imagery, like all these things. So it's like, you have to go back and look all this stuff up to really see it for what it is. Do you, okay. Do you know what reminds me of? Do you remember the movie, the show Saved by the Bell? Yeah. Do you remember, what's her name? Kelly, was that her name? Yeah, the, the pretty Kapowski, one, right? dude. And she, remember, it was like, she's so popular and whatever she does, everybody does. So one day she came to school and she had a pizza on her head and then the next day everybody Everybody's was wearing pizza. pizza? Yeah. Yes. That's what they did. They basically were like, if we can get celebrities to say something's cool, yeah. everybody's a sheep, we're going to follow along. Exactly what happened. Yep. It's exactly celebrities adopted this board ape, yep, this this these NFTs. Yeah. And all of a sudden they're they're valuable because why? Because Jay-Z owns a couple of them yeah. and all uh -huh. these like whoa. Yeah, Eminem, Jimmy Fallon, I think Ellen has one. Like, I mean, Steph Curry. I mean, they got they got athletes, athletes, they got musicians. So my question TV is stars, Do you think got, because of the controversy they're worth more now or less? Because I'm thinking, my God, yeah. I wonder if they're gonna be worth more now because good question. it's gonna be revealed as or it's being revealed as the greatest troll job of so all. So the history. end of that video that I sent you, um, and I forget the guy, Philion is the name of the guy to give him credit for the, the video, uh YouTube guy. He calls for so they can destroy it because you own it. 
So you can do whatever you want. You could technically destroy it. And if everybody agreed to destroy it, it would completely destroy the business. Right. Mm -hmm. It would shut it down completely and then right. no no more money to be made and it would be it would be over or whatever that. But that would require everybody coming together and banding together and destroying it. So long as and, and think about this. If half the people destroy it and the other half don't, the value will go up. Yeah. It's now more rare. Well, do you know how much money like Nazi memorabilia can be worth? Do you uh, you know? Yeah. Like if you it's found crazy. like Hitler's like shirt, yeah. you know, he's a terrible man. You that's priceless. Yeah. So I wonder if the value goes up. Because you know of all the, the of course the fact that it was a troll job yeah of of course and I, I okay these guys are so deep you know to Justin's point about Game of Thrones there's so many layers to this that I think it would be naive of me to think that I have it even all figured out like that they don't even already have like the steps of how it would unfold mm -hmm. already figured out. So I, I think that's all part of the plan. As deep as these guys went, do you not think that there's more to the plan? I have yeah. to. You have to think that. Right? Well, no. okay. So I don't. You guys didn't watch the documentary Into the Storm about QAnon. No. Uh, you should watch that. But it's it 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 talks about all these groups, the eight chan, the four chan, like all yeah. these like um, like savvy internet people, whatever, and just how one person sort of like claims anonymously that they have this inside in, in the administration when Trump was in office. And then, and then it just became like this, this story of like leaks and like all this stuff. Yeah. And then pizza gate, you know, and you just think <laughs> yeah. like, the, like whether or not Trump was playing into that or whatever, or like, you know, there was actually somebody like, it just became one of those things of legend where it just kind of took a life of its own. Now everybody keeps contributing to it. And then it just, it's like this whole like subculture that thinks that like they have all the answers and uh, it, it's pretty crazy I, to see like this online community, I, what they're capable of. I'm telling you, the, the, the internet is literally fire. And what I mean by that is like we discovered fire and we discovered something that could warm us and cook our food. Yeah. And we also discovered one of the most Dude. ultimate forms of killing and yeah, yeah. weaponry. Same thing with it's nuclear like World power. It's like Warcraft, but like they, they try to make it real. Like well, they, they create these characters, personas online, but they're actually really affecting the world. Well, I'm, I'm just saying, like, like it's literally amplifying human behavior. I mean, all, for good all this feeds into my my theory on that we're moving in this direction of plugged and unplugged, right? Like, the more power they gain and the more they can manipulate like that, the more people start waking up and realizing, like, I got to stay yeah. out of this because at this point, what is true? It's what is crazy. true and how and, and am I being manipulated and am I being mm -hmm. taken advantage of by being connected and in here? Oh, wow. And so it's just driving that direction further. And then you have some people who like, fuck it, I'm gonna accept it. I want to be a part of it. I don't care, or whatever. So I still think we're we're and it, what I see when I see things like this is we're moving faster than I thought. Like I say, like in our lifetime, I think we're gonna see this. Maybe my mom doesn't see it or what that. But when I see things like this come out, I go like, man, maybe it will happen before my mom even goes. Like maybe she'll get to see this time where we will be separated, where there's plugged you, in and unplugged. You know what happens to me when I see this? My first initial reaction is like, oh, people are so stupid. Look how easily they're they're tricked. And then I go, wait a minute. <laughs> I, <laughs> what I'm, have I been tricked about? I'm a, yeah, like- I, want, I know, I'm always thinking like, about I'm, that. Am I getting pulled around and fooled with? And I, I would totally not be aware. And I, you know, it's arrogant okay. of me to think I'm- so wise Perfect and smart that I wouldn't see it. Perfect conspiracy. Thank you for setting me up you got it. on the tee there. You so. got it, my friend. Yeah, so I didn't. I wasn't aware of this one. This is like 2015, I guess. But uh, you guys might have heard about like this sort of floating city in China 
that they saw. It was basically, and I have it. Oh, in the sky. In the I sky. really feel like we should get high for this conversation. Yes. No, no. So no. It, there's like a video. There's <laughs> no, a video of it and like people, they're a, According to like I saw people this. around, they claim they all saw it. So there's a lot of always eyewitness accounts. A but floating city? Yes. It was in the sky. And so the science tries to, to um, basically describe this as like some kind of mirage effect, right? So you have like. Um, Didn't I they take pictures of it? I forget it? what they call it. I have it written down in here somewhere. But like, yeah, they took pictures, but it was mainly the video on YouTube that went viral from it. But it was a trippy, trippy video. <laughs> you saw like towers. And so it was like. You know, the only thing, too, about it, though, is so you see, like, the city, and it's, like, way above um, the clouds. So it's, like, how is it, like, mirroring and reflecting the city if it's, like, above this cloud? And then also, too, like, a couple days later, like, 100 miles away, they had the same effect in another city. I saw I saw this video. Yeah. it. I, I thought it was there. fake. Yeah. I thought that it was CGI. It looked It looks super fake. So everybody's like, no, this is what they saw, and this is a mirage. Look at that, dude. Yeah. What in the, the sky. Like above the, the clouds. I just I was tripping on that. I was like, what if that was true? Dude? That'd be crazy. Well, I don't know, man. Well, what know. movie was that? Is it Inception? Was it Inception that did the like the Oh. Well, you you know you know what? So uh you know, like shit started getting real weird right around the Fata Morgana effect. That's oh, okay. what it was. Yeah. yeah okay, so you, you, in 2016 is when shit started getting weird. That's when they turned on that 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 Large Hadron Collider. I'm telling you, dude. Yeah. We've moved into a weird Bro, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to put all the puzzle pieces together. It's they just all mean like something. not aligning, dude. Hey, if we go to Justin's house, he's got a room. Put the wall <laughs> strings. A bunch of red strings that connect. Like this. <laughs> then they said this. But then I saw this. Somewhere on there's cheese. Yeah. Yeah. I'm always scratching my head, dude. That's Everything ties back to that. Yeah. <laughs> it's so every the world is so weird now. Yeah. Like, you know, like I've watched every science fiction movie you can think of, and it's like, I swear to God, like you're just starting to see all this stuff starting to come out. Oh, that's why. All right. I'm going to talk about some science. Let's take it. Let's, let's have some fun here. I just, yeah. so Harvard uh, University has a page. I'm going to pull it up on <clears throat> the proven effects of uh, cannabinoids, in particular cannabidiol, CBD. This is pretty good. This is, now, this is all, this is Harvard. So this is like proven by studies, which is pretty good. So, Anxiety. They're showing that uh, CBD helps with anxiety now in studies. Although initially that was something that people said, no, it doesn't. A lot of, now, finally, all the anecdotes or people are saying, you know, it makes me feel more calm. Studies are showing, no, there's, there's definitely an enzeolytic effect. Insomnia. So for sleep, again, a lot of people talk about that. Chronic pain. And then here's one that, an addiction, by the way, uh, CBD can help lower cravings for tobacco and heroin. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, so oh, that's interesting. So remember how remember those old study? Well, remember when they first started to legalize medical marijuana, and and there was like lots of uh, people against it, and then they had studies showing. Well, wait a minute, the states where they legalize marijuana for medical use, there's less use of opiates. Oh, that's right. I do remember, remember that? that. Yeah, I do. Okay, so they're showing that it actually reduces cravings. Uh, so you for, get a hankering for, for heroin, you know. Use <laughs> another reason why they don't want to make it fully legal. Well, though, too. I mean, there you go, right? Yeah. So here's another one, and this one I was not aware of. So. CBD balms or creams that you rub on the skin. I'm always really skeptical. I've always been skeptical though. So I'm like, okay, the cannabinoid yeah. receptors, you have to ingest it. They're in the body. Is it systemic? Is there a localized effect in the skin? Right. Whatever. There's studies that show that rubbing balms on your skin can help lower pain and inflammation. I mean, your skin's a giant organ, so the fact- It is, but I would imagine it being this kind of systemic effect, but I, I, they're showing these studies it's localized too. So if it's my elbow mm. that hurts, 
rub it on my elbow, and it makes the elbow my elbow feel better. So then it has to be penetrating deeper than the skin. I either that or on the skin itself. So you know when you rub like um, old school like uh, tiger balm and shit like that. Yeah. Well, it's because it, it it the it emanates that sort of scent that um, doesn't well, it trigger? Well, it's not the scent so much as it's it's it, it tricks heat, yeah. it tricks your your body into thinking something's cold or warm. So it's like you ever you ever drink, you ever eat like um, right. you ever eat mint gum and then drink water and it's like feels like it's freezing. Yeah. <sighs> okay. Yeah. It's not well. Obviously, the water's not cold, but what that mint does is it tricks the nerves in your mouth into thinking you're perceiving cold. Okay. So when you rub something on that feels cool, even though it's not cold, the perception of, of coolness- Is that the same mechanism that's going on? Similar. Oh, wow. And so what happens is your CNS perceives it as, you perceive it as less pain. So there's still pain there, but you're perceiving it differently so that it doesn't hurt as much. So do you have to combine then some kind of heating or no. cooling effect to CBD? No, it's just, just, it? so it's just the CBD. Now, uh, one of so our- So how does that work? I, I, so that's what I'm guessing. Yeah. I don't know. So uh, Ned, the, one of our partners, they have a, a balm, a hemp oil balm. We've never talked about it because I've always been skeptical. Mm -hmm. I only talk about their hemp oil drops and their you know other, other stuff. They have a balm. And so I'm reading these studies. I'm like, okay, well, and they told me this, people love it. Like, hmm. do they really? Like, how does it work when you rub it in the skin? I know cannabinoids and you have to ingest it. Well, no, studies show that you can rub it on an area. Gonna have to hook your dad up then. Yeah, well, dude. You've already got him on He loves room. the oil. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's just, ooh, it hey, feels good. Next time we see him, he's gonna be like blitz, dude. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> it's super, it's just stuff. Just rubbing it on like lotion. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't you say, Justin, yeah. when you were a kid, you played basketball with your dad and he like, oh, yeah. gay his whole body? Bro, like, I, like <laughs> clockwork. Every time we go to you, anything especially basketball you'd like sit there we'd take 30 minutes before he could even play because he's just rubbing on his knees rubbing it all over his like shoulder like everything and then i you go to cover him and it was just like oh it smells <laughs> like a medicine box you know yeah yeah you try to grab him and now i get it you know like yeah there's there's aches and pains yeah. and all that but, speaking yeah. of family so it's hilarious i i always tell my family um hey if you guys want any supplements or products from sponsors we work with. They send us a lot of stuff. You're my family. You ever stop by the studio? Let me know. I'll let you in the back, you know, grab whatever you want, take it. It's always been open. Okay. Yeah. I'm very much like that with my family. Nobody ever takes me up on it. If they come by to visit, which is rare, I'll take them back there. They'll take a thing here or there. No big deal. Ever since we started working with Magic Spoon. Oh yeah. And I started having <laughs> my family members try Mag Magic Spoon. I yeah. swear to God, I feel like, uh, like, I'm, like I'm dealing drugs. I get messages. <laughs> I get messages from family members now. Yeah. They, they never visit here. All yeah. of a sudden, it's like, "Hey, uh, you're working tomorrow, right?" Like, "Yeah, uh, what's going on?" Oh, you mind if I stop by, grab some? Magic you know, it's funny. I'm like, come on, man! Dude, I you hoarded. Can, you now can you tell, want that? Now you, you can want to tell stop that's up? been yep. going on because we get cases from them every month, right? So they send cases down here, and there's like a couple flavors that not a lot of people like, and all the best flavors are gone. all gone. There's gone. like 60 yeah. boxes up there of like yeah. flavors that you ever like. Eh, those are like that's not like my, one of my favorite flavors. All the best flavors gone all the time, oh. and we're stocking up on all the other ones. Dude, all it cracks me up. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, it's so I weird. I've been, I had my studio for six years. You just never stop by. Now you want to stop by? Every, every month yeah. Dude, you, <laughs> want so, you want something else that'll crack you up it was so funny yesterday uh max uh, katrina got max a um he's into mario so like well, a lot of the stuff is mario and she got him a, a mario backpack it's like his first backpack right and he fills it up with like his monster trucks and some of his books and stuff like that and then he, he knows how to put his backpack on and but so uh first time my son's ever wore a backpack it's the first time i've ever seen him wear a backpack and because of the weight 
he naturally puts his arms out like this to counterbalance. <laughs> Otherwise, he'll fall so back. He's so, Frankenstein. So, so he, he gets all excited, he puts it on, and then he walks around like this. <laughs> and then Katrina would be like, son, son, put your arms by your side. Then he exaggerates his arms by his side. <laughs> then, he, then he walks out like this. I was dying, bro. I was dying laughing. You know, that's just, so just something funny. you don't even think about, right? Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. The very first time you put a weight on your back. And right, it's like, oh, I'm going to fall yeah, over. So, and, then that, and Katrina, because Katrina couldn't figure out, I'm like, he's trying to counterbalance. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's totally what he's doing. You put weight in his back. He's never yeah, had that pulling logical. sensation. So it's just you natural. You know what I would do for it's fun? Natural I, I'd put do. some heavy ass shit in there and say, here you go. And just like, wait and see what he does. Well, I had, that's how I, so how I figured it out was because originally he was doing real light stuff and he was already naturally doing it. What I noticed was as I put more. His arms come out more. Yeah, he was like really exaggerating, putting his arms out in front of him when he's walking. That's hilarious. <laughs> Katrina's like, stop walking with your arms Dude. out. You look silly. Put Maybe your arms by your side. And then he puts his arms by his side and he looks all awkward trying to walk. Kids are so funny. So, <laughs> so, uh, so we have these crackers that these that Jessica found. These like they're really, they're really healthy crackers, and Aurelius loves them. So we give it to him sparingly as a snack, but he knows they're in the pantry. Okay, if I can't find him or I want to get a hold, and I tell him, "Hey, Aurelius, come here, buddy, come here," and he's ignoring me, or no, no, no. All I got to do is open the pantry. Sure enough, you hear little feet, and he's right there. Uh, can I, uh, inside, inside, nobody, sorry. And then he looks at me and he goes, bye, bye. And he starts pushing me out because he wants to go inside and get his pants. <laughs> so it's like, if I need to find where he is, I just open the pantry. And then he hears little feet running right there, right behind you. Like, oh, hungry. I know. It's gotten to the point now where I have to hide. So if I open it, I'm like real quiet and I'm like, I'll hide, you know, meaning some of the crackers. It's funny how they make those associations and then how well they remember things like that. Max is the same way too. Like if you, you give him a certain new treat, like he, I introduced him to a protein bar the other day, which is basically a glorified candy bar. Right. And boy, for a kid who never really had sugar and you give him like a piece of a chocolate candy bar or chocolate protein bar, which again is like, by the way, that reminds me, we should bring this up because we've never talked about this on the show. And it was advice I used to give. Sorry for the the derail, but it just reminded me of something that I wanted to share on the show. Um, I used to share this advice when uh, I was a a really young trainer because I can't remember where I first read it. And then it was something that I I stopped talking about and I didn't think about anymore. And this whole situation with Max and allowing him to have a bite of it like really made me realize and go like, you know, we've been marketing, myself including, been marketed to so well about like protein bars is healthy and it's like a great, it's a great source of protein because right. it says protein on it and they highlight the grams. But we used to tell clients like, if it's not 25% or more a protein, then it's not a protein food. And so what you got to pay attention to, and I'm going to re- throw this company under the bus because I think they taste amazing, is Quest is like 80% of their their bars. I shouldn't say that. I don't know the numbers. I, sh- I shouldn't use a, a percentage like that. Uh, the 80% of the ones that are in my house, <laughs> I should say, that we have, and I have quite a few of them in my in my pantry, only, only one of them actually, I think, passes that test at above 25%. Most of them are- So what is it then? 10, 12, even one of them 5%, but they highlight the protein. So, so how many grams of protein versus So what? you're talking about way more sugar. That's, so it's, that's what I'm saying. Like if oh. not one fourth of the, that's what that means. 25% or more means one fourth of the calories are coming from protein. That's it. You, they, at least one fourth needs to be coming from protein to consider to be considered a real protein food. Got it. Otherwise, it's a carbohydrate or it's a fat. 
And when you flip those boxes around and you look at the content, just because it says it's a protein bar or protein food, do not be fooled that it's... Let me see. Pull that up, Doug. What, what, is, is, that? That what does that say? That's, that's a, their good one. That's, that's the birthday cake. Yeah. That's actually... It's funny you brought that up. That's the exact one that it has... has 21 high, grams of protein. Yeah. And how now, many grams of everything Now else? look at their, their uh, other snacks that they have. All their other bars. Well, hold on. How many grams of, is this? Is this what that's twenty one grams. No, this is the good one. Oh, 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 oh. This is the one good one. It's 42 percent. Oh, I see. So that okay. would be considered a protein. Oh, food. I didn't know they had that. Their bars all had different macros and shit. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. All, and all foods do. Like so, pay attention to this next time you're in the grocery store. So this one's forty something percent. Protein. Yeah. So that's a good considered that's, a protein. Yes, hundred percent. That would be. Good. This would be okay. This you know is actually, by the way, the, funny you brought this birthday cake one up. I have all the boxes I have of all their different. So I have their cupcakes or their uh, their peanut butter cups. Doug, look those up and look at their little uh, chocolate almond snacks that they have. That oh, are. Oh, so, I see. I so, see what you're saying. And they and they're marketed as protein foods. Now, I, and I'm I feel bad. I'm picking on Quest because tons of companies are guilty of this because everybody knows that yeah there's these cookies i see that say that they're protein cookies mm -hmm. but if you look at them it's like a 400 calorie cookie and right like and then it has like 10 grams, grams of protein, of protein yeah. right yeah. but they market it as a protein food because they put more protein in it but it's really not a protein food when right. you look at the percentage the of the protein in ratio to the total calories if it's not above 25 it's not a protein food and you're mm -hmm. really eating carbohydrates sugars and fats with sprinkled a little bit of protein it's a which glorified that, candy bar which if you're trying to eat more calories i guess it's okay but if you're trying to supplement with protein yeah oh yeah i low. mean let's be honest most people are trying to what is that one Doug? what is that i are think you? this is the peanut butter one i'm uh, trying to expand it out but yeah it would be good to see what those macros <laughs> look like it's getting yeah, smaller can, instead of bigger no 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 that uh, the peanut butter cups so oh, the, that's the peanut butter cups. Yeah, this one. So it's 190 calories, of which 11 grams are protein. What's the what, percentage? What's the, rest? the percentage is what we we're talking oh, about. Oh, 22 percent. So 22, that's, and that's not horrible. That's it's, not horrible, but, but it's lower. Right. So now when so I used to tell clients this. So back when I, I had clients and I would tell them to go after protein food, I would actually teach them the percentage, not the grams. Because what I found they're was just a, getting a bunch of extra calories. That's right. Stuff, because right. most clients are trying to lose body fat, lose weight. So we're looking for we're looking for high protein dense foods. And obviously, if you're not going to get a chicken breast, you're not going to get steak, you're not going to get fish, you're not going to get the ones. I, obviously, I want whole foods first. Got it. But if you're going to eat something in a wrapper or a can or a box, and it's considered a quote unquote, they're they're marketing to you as protein. Flip it around, and if it's under 25, throw that shit away. It's do you not, know I used to do this when I would try to bulk because when you're you know when you're a kid and you're trying to bulk, you just think every calorie doesn't even matter. Yeah. Right. And I remember figuring that something like a pound of pasta had like 30 something grams of protein. So I was like, let's do this. <laughs> I'm gonna get all my protein. I did same thing with canned raviolis. Yeah. Yeah, I used to eat the, the smash. What's those. that one, Doug? You're looking at all the bars now. Yeah, this is the chocolate peanut the butter. Same. All is the it? bars are going to have the same. Yeah, all no. the bars are going to be like the oh, birthday I cake. See. I'm I... look at all the other protein snacks. The, oh, okay, the, I got the it. chocolate almonds, the Reese's peanut butter cups, okay. all the other ones that are in there. Which, by the way, that's what my point was. I have a lot of those. Mm -hmm. I don't have a lot of just the healthy bars in there because yeah. they taste mm -hmm. the best. Yeah, and it was actually something I hadn't looked at in a while until I gave my son a bite. And that's what made me go, you know what? I haven't even checked myself. Oh. Something I used to teach to clients to be aware of. Mm. I just, I fell right into the marketing trap of, oh, it's a Quest bar. Oh, it's a, oh, it's this. And it's high, oh, it's got protein in it. Okay. Yeah. Buying it. And then I realized when I like how yeah. amazing it tastes. And I'm like, you know, let me look at the back of this. I'm like, oh shit, well, this is not. I guess we're not getting sponsored by Quest. Yeah. That far left one. <laughs> this one right here. Far left.
That's, they, is, I think that's what I'm talking. Yeah, I think that's the caramel one. Yeah. Just the bars, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, no more sponsors. Like, I know, yes. no. I, you know, and the point was not. I mean, this is just me sharing my story. The, this is like uh, super popular with uh, cereals, with pastas. The, the well, the cereals is a big one because I when I when I was a kid, I would try and find high protein cereal, and it would say high protein. It was like six grams mm-hmm. yeah. in a serving, which is like what? Well, I right. don't think Quest is actually marketing these as protein rich, right? This, for example, this one has five grams. It is their uh, gooey caramel candy bites. So it's not marketed as protein. Yeah, they have you may protein so. bars. Well, you are because it's it's packaged in the box right next to the protein bars. It looks yeah. exactly like it. It shows you how low of calorie it is. <laughs> it's, yeah. I mean, you're right. So, you've <laughs> got to read the label. That's yeah. basically yeah. The, the message. I, I got I got a question to ask you guys because I, I just noticed – we um we covered before like the Impossible Burger and yeah. Beyond Burger and all that stuff like it sort of dipped in sales and like they're pulling it out of certain fast food chains. Uh, meanwhile, I just saw like Kevin Hart just uh, opened up a fast food chain that was all like uh, plant based. Really? Yes. Like, and so I was I was curious as to think speculate like if if you know that was going to. Uh, be crushed. successful or not? Of yeah. course it will, right. especially if you well, open because it in it's LA. Kevin Hart. But yeah, if it's Kevin Hart, he opened it up in in LA or New York, deli- LA or New York, it'll crush. It has to be delicious. If it's not, did you guys like, ever see that whole documentary yeah. on that one? The one, the one vegan girl that was that that crazy. It's on Netflix. What's yeah, the the her oh. that high end. She did like a real high end vegan restaurant. Uh huh. That there's a crazy story. About you know what? In LA. Bet, there's a huge. I, one. I, I bet you the opposite. I bet you if you opened a restaurant and it was like all about you know like meat or some shit like that, I bet that would crush now. I know they used to call those barbecue barbecue joints, but yeah, <laughs> I bet if you marketed it that way, it would crush because it's opposing. I think you're, like I back guess. in the day with the KFC where they had two chicken breasts with sandwich with like meat <clears> in the middle. <throat> yeah, I think uh, per so usual, I, I think per usual, you are ahead of the curve when it comes to health and fitness, and so I think you're wrong right now. You're right down the road. Yeah, because you in our bubble in our space that that me- this message is slowly starting to die, yep. but that message is still rising. I mean those yeah. those docu. I mean, what the health was? Didn't you tell me the other day it was like the most watched documentary of all time yeah. or some crazy? Yeah. That, that's what he's serving there. Yeah, he's yeah. got burgers and he has uh, chicken sandwiches. The burgers are plant based, but the chicken sandwich looks like it's actually actually chicken. But they don't call it's not chicken. With, it's chick apostrophe n. I know, but it says with plant based mayo, so they don't say it's plant based. Oh, they so say may- the burgers are plant based, but they don't say the chicken. Oh, so plant-based. the whole thing's not a vegan fast food. Interesting. Right? Yeah, so maybe part of it is. Okay. Well, that will do. Well, fun. That I mean, then you're you're. Still- Here's the bottom line: if it tastes really good, if yeah. it's super palatable, then it'll do well. That's the truth for any market, totally. whether it's health or not. Did anybody ever eat the Impossible Burger? I actually, I told you guys. Jim I asked Doug, you said you. I had I tried, tried one because I was at somebody's house and they served it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's, uh, he's like angry about it still. Yeah, I'm still angry about did it. They tell you ahead of time. They, they did tell me about it, but that uh, was the only food that's I had. How I felt when I ate some. My, my mother-in-law had chicken nuggets that someone had left her, and they were on the counter like that. And I was like picking at it, and like, I this is weird. Yeah, I didn't know. It actually tasted all right, dude. Yeah. Be just they the, the burger was not like meat in my mind. Uh, I had, dude. Yeah. I when I was up uh, the weekend at Tahoe, uh, they were going to go grocery shopping. My cousins, and they're like, "What do you want to eat?" And I was joking, so I'm like, "Get me a." Impossible patties, because that's what I'm going to eat. I'm going plant-based, right? Because I'm the fitness guy, right? Everybody turned their head like, what? And I'm like, I'm just kidding. 
I'm not a pussy or whatever. Anyway, my buddy next to me, by the way, if you're vegan, you're not a pussy. This is just me joking. But <laughs> I didn't know this. Nice caveat. I didn't know this. His, his buddy, his long-term lifelong friend is a hardcore vegan. He's standing right next to me. <laughs> totally insulting. Dude, I said that. I said that. And my cousin starts laughing. He goes, dude, he goes, Rich is vegan, bro. And I looked at and he looked at like, I'm sorry. I was totally joking, buddy. I was just a big joke or whatever. I said, you listen to my show because I do crying. talk about, I tried to put my arm around him. He kind of moved away from me. I was like, oh, man. I got to make make up to this guy. Uh, you blew. Yeah. Anyway. You yeah. know what's funny though? Like if you were the opposite, if you were a meat eater and you tease a meat eater like that, I don't feel like they yeah. it would be a, a, a sensitive thing. You no, know? I don't think, look, I, I, you guys, ever, look, if you listen to my show, you know I believe that, you know, that you can eat, there's many, many different ways to eat that can be healthy and I, I'll respect it, especially if it's done for the right reasons. That was obviously a joke, but I had no idea. He doesn't listen to my show. So all he knows <laughs> is I said that. So I looked at his face and he was like, you know, it's funny you just said that because I was like, oh, you, was really just, you just slid that in there like for the right reasons. Do you know what percentage have we looked up? What's the percentage that do it for like moral reasons? Oh, do you know the percentage? I know the people who stick less, to it are typically the ones. Yeah, no, I know more. that. But I mean, what's the, per I think it's a very small percentage. Yeah, it is. I don't think it's as much yeah. as you'd hope. So, no, it's so not you're still insulting like 90% of the people that I know. <laughs> Plus I just met, like I haven't seen this guy in like yeah. forever. Like, so what that. are the reasons that you're doing it? Just curious. No, no. After that, I, <laughs> I told to him, I'm better. like, no, I'm totally joking. If you listen to my show, this is how I actually talk about it. Because, you know, when you're with your buddies, you talk yeah. a lot of shit. I love that we have, we have a we have a diehard fan. Okay, they listen. I have no idea who's behind the handle. They listen to every show because I see them comment on YouTube all the time. They hate it when we say vegan, anything about yeah, vegan. He or she, I don't even know if it's guy or girl, is a hardcore vegan. And anytime vegan comes out of our mouth at all, or any they other, go nuts. They go nuts. They go on there like crazy. Well, they have but to obviously they support the, the show. I mean, they, I mean, they comment every time, so I know they listen to every show. Yeah. So yeah. shout I mean, out. They're to, obviously doing it right. They have yeah. enough energy to type all those words. <laughs> so barely. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, what kind of training do you do? Do you like strength training, bodyweight training, weightlifting, Olympic lifting, powerlifting? PRX has it all. This is equipment for your home that folds into the wall, so it takes up very little space, but is extremely sturdy, like commercial gym equipment. It's the best equipment. We have it here at Mind Pump Studios. That's what we work out with. And the best part is you can either pay it all up front or you can do monthly like a gym membership, except it's in your home. That means you can listen to whatever music you want. You can wear whatever you want when you work out. You don't have to shower like Justin. He likes to work out and stink. It's awesome. Go check this company out. Head over to prxperformance.com forward slash mind pump, and you'll automatically get a discount because you went through that link. All right, here comes the rest of the show. Our first caller is Gina from Maryland. Hi, Gina. How can we help you? Hi. Uh, first, I just want to say thanks so much for having me. I've been listening to the podcast for a while and have really learned a lot. So, yeah, thanks. Thank nice. you. Um, so, yeah, so I'll just read my question. So, I've been strength training for about two years. Uh, last year, I decided I wanted to restructure a little bit and start working towards specific goals. And so, for example, I set a deadlifting uh, goal weight and really structured my workouts around a deadlift specifically. And so I did end up reaching that goal, but found that towards the end, I was really struggling with overtraining and burnout. Um, I never followed a workout program before, so I decided to switch things up and I purchased the map, uh, the butt builder mod, which includes anabolic and aesthetic. And so I ran through those programs, um, anabolic and then aesthetic, and really enjoyed having that structured program. Really enjoyed the, the full body days. Um, but after phase one, I realized that rep ranges like shoot up, for example, like eight to 12 reps of deadlifts, which really just seems kind of crazy to me since I'm 
um, used to working in that lower uh, rep range. And so, you know, I think I've learned that I really enjoy training in that lower rep range to reach more uh, strength goals. And found that with uh, those high rep ranges, I feel like I'm platforming more easily and um, just kind of struggling to kind of get through it. And so I, um, especially when I have to do, yeah, those like super sets, really high rep ranges. So just, I think it would help me um, in terms of motivation to hear your explanations for why training in such high rep ranges um, for heavy compound movements like squats and deadlifts is beneficial compared to low rep ranges. And then maybe um, during your opinions on if it's necessary to try to get those high reps or if it's you know, fine to just kind of stay in that lower rep range and shoot for strength. If you stick to a, a rep range all the time, you start to run into problems. Now, typically in the low rep ranges, you start to get uh, joint issues. You your strength stops to go, stops improving. You don't get as much as much muscle hypertrophy. So, changing their even even competitive powerlifters go through phases where they do higher reps for what they'll say is more muscle hypertrophy. Then they feel stronger, more stable. Now, the, I, the the answer to this is actually quite easy. I know what you're doing. You're going too heavy when you go eight to twelve. Yep. You got to go much lighter. So eight when you go eight to twelve, go way lighter with the load because you're going too heavy with the eight to twelve, and that's why you're feeling kind of burned out. It's a very different feel when you're going from sets of three to sets of eight or ten, especially in a lift like a deadlift. Like if I'm doing sets of three, for example, I might go as high as let's say four ninety five. If I'm doing sets of 10, I rarely go above 350, rarely. And that's a big difference, you know, that's a big difference in weight. I, I probably will keep it around 315 and I'm deadlifting more like a bodybuilder. What I mean by that is I'm focusing on the squeeze and the form and the control and I'm not trying to push the load like I am when I'm going low rep. So that's the challenge. The challenge is you're going into the second phase with the mentality that you have with the first phase and that's definitely going to burn you out. Gina, how old are you? Uh, yeah, as you get older too, you're gonna you're gonna find that uh, spending a, a, an extended period of time in the low reps and lifting heavy is gonna be extremely taxing, especially as you get stronger. Yeah, I mean, right now being being young and fit, uh, you probably feel pretty resilient, and maybe you don't feel a lot of the adverse effects of that, but it that'll come. I promise. If you continue to lift that way, like it's so, and that's aside from all the results and benefits you get by cycling through. I mean, some of the best. Mm -hmm results I've seen is by just being consistent with me moving out of my rep ranges, right? Every three to four weeks, moving into a new rep range and, and continuing on. I've seen some of the best gains in my physique and in my strength. So aside from that, uh, just staying in that heavy, you know, five by five type of training, eventually your joints will start talking to you uh, when you do that. And what I find today being 40, uh, I spend the least amount of time lifting that way. I do just enough to know that I get tremendous benefits from strength by training in a cycle of like five by five or what we would do, MAPS anabolic phase one. And then I got to get out of it because I, it's addicting to stay in it because I love to see myself getting stronger. I feel good when I rip heavy weight off the ground, but I've definitely made the connection of how much better my body feels in the higher rep range. And I just think for longevity, you'll eventually need to, to piece this together. Was it Stan Efferding that was talking about that? Like yeah. a major shift in his training to start doing higher reps and his body completely, um, you know, transformed from there. So it's like, <clears throat> it's just like anything they're saying. It's, it's, it's a completely different mentality and shift of focus going into that style of training, which I think maybe there's a bit of disconnect there trying to apply the same, um, you know, process uh, within that, but to focus a little bit more on uh, what um, you know, what what type of connection you can get to to your specific muscles, not necessarily the movement of it. 
yeah, yeah. you just gave a fitness tip on this the other day. It did. The, the Ben Pikulski one right yeah, now. It's yeah. like the mindset has to change to totally. you feeling feeling the muscle now. Like that's instead of you getting like the the power and strength of ripping the weight off the floor or getting out of the hole from a squat. It now shifts over to slowing down the tempo, and I want to feel the muscle through the entire movement and the squeeze of it. It's a total different mindset. Yeah, the, the weight is, is okay, weight that you're on the bar is important to pay attention to. It's much more important to pay attention to it in phase one. When you get to phase two and phase three, it's really not that important. And don't use phase one's weights as a reference necessarily. Um, and the mentality is very different. So go into phase two. And think, okay, I'm going to do 10 reps, and I want to feel the muscles that I'm working, and I want to feel good. I don't want to feel burnt out. Whatever weight fits that is the right weight, okay? In phase one, it's a, it's a bit of a different mentality. Also, you know, back to Adam's point, the stronger you get, the less, the, the higher the risk uh, versus reward ratio is with heavy lifts. Like when you're training low reps and you're deadlifting 135, you know, the, the risk in the injury risk is, is there, but it's not as high as when you're doing it with 225. And then if you get up to 250 or 315, it gets even higher. So this mentality shift is going to have to, you're going to have to start doing it. And I know it's fun. Uh, I enjoy phase one style training more than, uh, than the others. Uh, but when I would go into phase two and three and I didn't entirely shift my mindset, I would, I would 100% go through with your, what you're going through, which I felt burnt out. But it was just because I was I was approaching it the wrong way. It's a totally different mindset. Two in the tank. Yeah. Okay. Great. Thanks. So, um, so even if my goals are mostly strength based instead of more like uh, I guess aesthetically based, I should still go through those phases and starting starting low and doing high reps. Absolutely. 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 They all contribute. You're it's the the body gets adapted to whatever we throw at it, and if you consistently lift like a, a five by five type of style, um, even if you are seeing some gains, they're they're going to slow down dramatically. And simply shifting out of that, you know, temporarily into a higher rep range, and then coming back to it, you will get stronger faster. Yeah, that way. Gina, are you are you planning on competing in a strength sport like powerlifting? No, no, it's for fun. Have okay. you followed our Maps Powerlift program? No, I've never really followed like a powerlifting. Okay, program. you should definitely follow Maps. After Maps Anabolic, go into Maps Powerlift because I think you'll love it. But don't do Maps Powerlift indefinitely. So follow it once and then go back to something else. But that Maps Powerlift may be the program that you always go back to after you interrupt it with another program if you enjoy okay. that aspect of training. Uh, ideally, for overall, if we were to take you a step further, I would go powerlift, and then you need to go to something like symmetry or performance yes. after that because anabolic followed by powerlift uh, without any sort of you know moving in different planes or mobility right. focus is would be detrimental. So I would go anabolic, powerlift, and then either run symmetry or performance And then you can go that. back to powerlift. That's right. Okay. We'll send that to you, okay, Gina? Great. Yeah, that makes sense. You got it. Also, okay, I love. Thanks so much. I love hearing. Yeah, really helpful. Uh, I love hearing a twenty-five-year-old female say she's interested in the strength more than the aesthetics. That's such a great, healthy yeah, attitude. Awesome. And the side effect of that, Gina, is you're gonna yeah. look. You're gonna look great. I'm gonna tell you that right now. So. Yeah, you know, it took a long time to be able to admit that because I think a lot of females feel like. But I have so much more strength. <laughs> awesome. All right. Thanks, Gina. Uh, I, you know, I, I would never would have imagined when I got into fitness 20 years ago or more than 20 years ago 
that I'd have a 20 something year old girl tell me, you know, I like the strength part. <laughs> yeah, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. That almost, that's like so rare. So I love hearing it. But I mean, she's going to run into the same pitfalls that, you know, everybody else does when they fall in love with a particular style of training is eventually the, the, the benefits start to taper off. And the only thing you start to get are increased risks of certain issues. And, you know, I know that's, that's me too. And I, you just start to get it in your joints you, and you stop, your strength stops going up. Yep. And then I switch to 10 reps and I do that for four weeks. I go back to my strength and boom, I'm stronger. It's like, oh, why didn't I do this before? Well, when the goal is to to see your deadlift, squat, bench, you know, it, it continually get better and better as far as the amount of weight you're lifting. And then you have to move into this like eight to 10 rep range. Obviously, you have to dramatically yeah. drop mm -hmm. that. Right. And the mindset is supposed to shift. And so. It's it's a it's a psychological game it's an that ego shift. Yeah, it's like totally. I, I my goal is to see more weight on the bar. Yet here I am training with significantly less weight on the bar for the next three to four weeks. It's a bit of a mind fuck for most people that are very focused on the strength side to want to do that, and it can be very addicting to want to swing back into that, especially when you're young and you're not. Get, it's easy for me now because my body starts talking to me real quick. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, I'll go, oh, I'm going to do another week of this heavy lifting, and then it's like, oh, you know, yeah. that's why I feel. But like this shit. is where programs really come in as benefit because it, it takes you through that. It's written. Yeah, it's written. Like this is what I'm doing next. Like you plan ahead for that, so that way it still benefits you to come back and increase your lifts yep. and still focus on that I, but you need to do what's beneficial for your body to be able to keep performing at a high and, level and i can't stress this enough it's not just a little lighter it's a lot lighter, lot lighter. strength people need to understand this it's like they oh well, I, well, I squat with 500 pounds so if i go down to 400 then i'll do 10 reps no go down to 300 and do the 10 reps you gotta go way lighter it's totally different our next caller is ethan from the uk ethan what's happening how can we help you hi uh, yeah i had a question about um, periodizing my training for different, uh, sorry, let me get it up. It'll just be easy if I get it up. Sorry. I had a question about, um, periodizing my training about different goals and like my current dilemmas. So I'm currently like 21 and I've had like a few different injuries. Um, I've played around with different like split training and like volume. I'm, I'm like my frequency and that. Um, and I'm, I've started a certification, um, for my personal training, but like I've always been riddled with injuries, whether it's playing sports or, or, or whatever. And um, like what it feels like whatever I'm doing after a four months, when I, after a few months, when I get back to full fitness, it's kind of like I just get hit with another injury. And I'm just kind of like wondering what could I be doing or is there something wrong that I'm doing in my training? What we, we want to know a little more yeah. about the injury, right? So what types of injuries are we talking about? Um, and, and what does your training look like? Is it, is it like, are you getting injured like during a lift uh, or is it just chronic it, uh, nagging pain? Like give us a little more detail. It started off like a few years back just before I got like fully into like the gym and like lifting and, and fitness and all that. But I had like a, I ruptured my um, ACL, my left ACL. I had some like meniscus damage in that. Um, and then I got healed, got, went for a surgery, got healed, um, and I spent a lot of time doing rehab, so I know how important it is. And then a few months later, I had another groin injury, so I tried to rehab that. And then my last injury was a, what I'm, what I'm guessing is a rotator cuff injury. I went through a few different uh, physios and that, and they were all kind of, didn't give me like uh, any definitive answer. Well, how how so, are, how are you how are you hurting like each time like so how did the ACL go how did the groin go yeah, so, yeah when, with, with the ACL that happened like it was like an impact into like the inside of my inside of my leg and that just let it crunch and my, my knee gave way sort of thing um, but with the shoulder injury like this wasn't anything 
direct. I'm, I, won't, I, I think it was from when I was just leaning in an awkward way in my car and I kind of just lost, dislodged it. But I'm not too sure. It, I, I, like it, I don't know how I'd done it. I just remember the next time I was lifting, like I had pain there sort of thing. Um, and I've only just recently got over it. But every time it feels like every time I'm getting back to full fitness, that's when I'm having some troubles a few months later. Ethan, are you, um, are you really flexible? Yeah, I'm pretty flexible. I work a lot on, my, on mobility. Yeah. You might, you might, you, you might just lack stability. And in other words, you, your strength might not support the flexibility that you have. Mm. I, I've trained people like you where they've got really good flexibility, but they lack the stability to support it. And so when they move outside, cause what gave that away was you saying you were leaning in your car and you felt your shoulder kind of give way. That's a, that's a stability issue. Now here's the bottom line. Uh, I mean, ideally you're going to want to work with someone that's going to really break down and identify what's happening with you. But I can send you a program that I think will, will benefit you tremendously. I think map symmetry will highlight yeah. these imbalances oh, yeah. in your right to left and work on stability naturally. If you follow the program as it's laid out. Yeah. I mean, I was looking at map symmetry because that most of the injuries that I've had where if it's been like a, I don't know, like a tweak in, in my back and I've had to just like rehab that or like uh, my uh, rotator cuff has always been on my right side. And I have noticed like, having some mm -hmm. uh, muscle imbalances, uh, not something that's like drastically noticeable, but something that I can notice. So I was having a look into like map symmetry, but I, I don't know. I don't know. It's, I, I thought it was maybe because I'm doing too much. Like I think I've got a, a, a tendency to want to do like too much in the gym or like in like my life at home or like do too much like rehab or I don't even know. Um, but then I'm thinking it could be down to recovery, but I I'm not too sure. But I mean, it, it, could, yeah. it's, it could be all three of those things, yeah. actually. I mean, you if you've got the athletic mindset, you could be getting after it too much, and then you could be also not allowing the body to recover, and then you could also n need more stability. And, and still, the prescription would look the same from what Sal's saying. I think that no matter if it's all three of those things, I would still steer you in the direction of map symmetry because it's going to, one, slow you down. You're going to have to do isometrics, which is also going to give you better better connection. And then it's going to work on all yeah. unilateral training, which is going to balance out the body better. So I think those things uh, are, no matter what, the prescription is going to be the same. Ideally, right. to Sal's point, having somebody who can be there to assess you. But if, if at the bare minimum, I would I would be running a program like that. Yeah, you may. I mean, you may find you need to dial down your intensity, your volume a bit. Uh, allow your body to fully recover, but to you know Sal's point, it, most athletes that are have these reoccurring injuries or injuries that kind of spawn from one part of the kinetic chain to the other, mm -hmm. uh, it's all typically it's an instability that's not being addressed, and so to kind of take your time through that and really um, sort of detective your way back and to find out what the root of it all is, is going to be massively beneficial for you to then build upon that and become stronger and more uh, effective in terms of your performance. Yeah, my guess, my guess is going to be that you, you, your flexibility and your stability aren't necessarily matched and the ACL injury, you got hit in the knee. So that could happen to anybody, but that's probably why your groin got pulled afterwards because whatever, yeah, Whatever it's side, so yeah. it's like just like it's just putting stress on other uh, like yeah. joints, and it's just yeah, compensating really, all the yeah. way up. Yeah. yeah. So, so in, in what I want you to do with symmetry is I want you to, and I, we tell everybody this, but I'm going to make this a point. Start with the side that is weaker with all the exercises, and then that's going to dictate how many reps you do with the other side. Even if the other side feels way stronger, just follow the weaker okay. side. The whole program is about 12 weeks, and you should notice some pretty good balancing effects 
from following a program like that. And it's it's so the reason why it's so effective is because regardless of what your issue is, it tends to get highlighted and corrected because you're doing one side at a time. So it's it's really a, a general program that tends to work really well with lots of different specific issues. So we'll send that over I mean, to you, okay? Yeah, yeah. No, that yeah, that'd be great. Thank you. I mean, I, I tend to like flutter between like hypertrophy training and like um more strength training, but I do chuck a lot of like isolation and um unilateral movements in there just because I want like the symmetry to still be there and I want to, the muscles to be like balanced, right? But I have noticed like my left side is a lot stronger. Yeah. Um, even like my left, it was my left ACL that I tore and now getting back to full fitness, my left leg is a lot stronger than my right leg. Not a lot, but like I, I can notice a difference. So maybe, yeah, something like a symmetry program to like kind of bring the, the lagging side of my body up. focus on that longer. Yeah. Symmetry is all. Allow yourself to, to be in there a bit longer. Yeah. So just throwing in some unilateral stuff is good. But making it a focus for an entire block of training, that's, that's I think, what you need to do. So that's what map symmetry is. Yeah, so symmetry is going to be great for you. Yeah, follow that and then uh, see how you feel afterwards. All right, thank you very much. Keep yeah, us, I just want to say I'm a huge fan. Like, I've been listening for like, I don't know, a year, year and a half now, and I feel like I've learned so much from you guys. So I just want to say thank you. Yeah, I appreciate right it very much. Thank, thank you, man. Ethan. Thanks for calling. Cheers. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, when you get that, I'm sure you guys have worked with people like this. They'll get one injury, and then it's like mm -hmm. after that, lots of injuries, and it's all connected yeah. to knee turns into hip issue, yep. turns well, into opposite shoulder issue. Especially when you're talking to an athlete, because you get you get like the the knee injury, ankle could be anything, right? And then they still they, then they rehab it, so they, they go play, and then they go play. And when you when you play a sport, sports are explosive and dynamic. And when you call upon the body to do something explosive and dynamic, and there's a breakdown somewhere in the kinetic chain, it so just figures a way around it. That's right. Like so, so now even though his knee has rehabbed and it can function walking and squatting and doing pretty basic movements, but then he goes back to do like an explosive soccer move or something. It's like it isn't the same, and it hasn't. And you, you have to kind of train it all the way back up to that mm -hmm. and balance everything out. Otherwise, other parts of the body overcompensate, and then they get injured because it's like, totally. oh, we've never torqued on the the hips like that because normally the the ACL and the knee support this movement, and because mm -hmm. they haven't been trained up properly. And, and here's what it is: is that there's two things. One is in isolation, your knee may be just as strong as it was before. That's right. But your body has a memory. It, it, you you have an emotional you have an emotional connection to that injury. So even if everything theoretically could work like it did before, like when you get an injury, it still wants to protect you from that. Yeah, I mean, when you hurt yourself, everybody knows this. I've hurt myself real bad. I am weary of doing lifts that that work that area. It takes me a while to build up the confidence. And that's what I'm aware of. Not you know, let alone what I'm not aware of. So. It, it, so just rehabbing doesn't mean you're ready to go back to what you were doing before. I, I've had to tell people this many times. It's like, great, I'm glad you rehabbed. We still got time. We still have a lot of time to get you back to where you were, you know, how you were moving before. Our next caller is Emmy from Illinois. Hey, Emmy, how can we help you? Hi, guys. So thanks for having me on. Um, I've been listening for the past five years, and I've internalized a lot of the wisdom that you share on the podcast, kind of to the point where you're like the little voices in the back of my head. So it's really cool to be here and to talk to you face-to-face, -face, as it were. So thanks for taking the time to take my question. Awesome. Um, right on. I'll just dive right into it. So I'm a fencer. Um, I competed in high school and college, but I haven't practiced fencing for a few years since graduating in 2019. Um, so a bit about the sport. Fencing is an Olympic sport. Um, it's highly explosive. There's a lot of lateral movement, quick changes of direction. 
So in some ways it's kind of similar to tennis or basketball. Um, and I want to get back into it. Nothing crazy, just practicing maybe once a week, um, mostly for the mental health benefits because my fitness goals are longevity. Um, the major concern I have though, is that my strength to weight ratio is pretty off from my performance peak. Um, so I'm concerned that I'll injure myself if I just dive right back in. So my question is, how would you guys recommend I train to prepare myself for fencing again? Wow. You know, it's funny. Smart. You know, it's mm -hmm. funny. I mean, yeah, I, I went question. through, I went through a period of watching fencing, uh, videos on YouTube. I did think you really? I swear <laughs> awesome. It's so fascinating. How, what, what level did you compete at? So, um, I competed at, uh, the club level for college and then also at national tournaments. So, um, you level. can either compete on a team, which is what I did for college. And we were club champions for three out of the four years that I was there. Mm -hmm. Um, and then you can also compete like nationally or internationally. So, okay. I mean, I'm not at like the Olympic level, but you know, I was definitely. So if there was an intruder in your house, are you more likely to grab your sword <laughs> than grab like a gun or something? So, <laughs> Just um, you know, my deathly too. range is like six feet away. So if you're closer to me than that, I'm useless. <laughs> <laughs> um, do, do you, are you, are you exercising regularly now? Are you still working out? So, um, great question. So I live a pretty active lifestyle, so I'm getting over 10,000 steps per day for sure. Um, but I'm taking it pretty low volume on training. Um, I'm a PhD student, so I work a ton and I really like leave it all in the field at work kind of a thing. Um, so I don't, I like fall into the trap of feeling like I don't have time and I particularly don't have energy um, to be like really crushing at the gym. So I'm trying to do like at least once a week, getting in a nice like full body workout. Um, but um, that's another complication of, you know, the advice I'm asking for is something that, that fits my schedule. Yeah, well. Well, I got something for you, Amy. Um, would okay. it be possible for you to practice one or two lifts a day it would take you about 15 to 20 minutes. Would that be something you could do where you just like, you just go one or two lifts and then you're done, but do that on a daily basis? Yeah, that fits great. There's actually a gym in between my house and my work. So if I'm walking to work, which I'm trying to do to get my steps in, then that would be like very reasonable. Okay. That's believe it or not, that's actually going to give you better results than the once a week full body 15 workout. 15 to 20 minutes. Just okay. yep, literally go to the gym pick one or two compound, you know, full body lifts. So like squat or a mm -hmm. deadlift or an overhead press or a lunge, or you can even pick a couple isolation exercises to make up for the fact that it's not compound. Do 15 to 20 minutes, practice the lift. So keep the intensity moderate, moderate high, not high. You'll get great results. As far as fencing is concerned, th this is going to be a mindset thing. So when you get into the training of it, or you have to go, you're going to have to go slow because you got to relearn your body. It's, like you said earlier, you, you mentioned straight to weight ratio. It's not the same body. You haven't practiced uh, as like you did before. So you're going to have to go into it and try your hardest, really fight your competitive urge to kick someone's ass and just go real slow, real easy, and then slowly allow yourself to feel comfortable moving. That's the only way that you're going to be able to get it back into fencing because yeah. the strength training is going to help, but it's, it's you still have to practice the skill of, of fencing. So start really slow and give yourself a long time. Like say, okay, I'm going to do this for, I'm going to do six months of taking it easy before I start to test myself a little bit, but six months of consistent practice. Anytime you're going to place your body again in like that, like high intense explosive type movement and you haven't done it for a long period of time or you're 
you know, trying, trying something new uh, in that direction. Like the, the effort and intensity on like trying to strength train and be resilient to that is one thing, but also the mobility and the uh, reinforcing your joints, it has to be a really high priority in combination with that. So you're always kind of checking the stability of the joints, the, the range of motion necessary for you to pull off some of these moves and to be able to stabilize quickly, uh, with that and decelerate your body just as much as you're accelerating your body. So just to keep that in mind, like that should be a, a high priority for you either before priming and then also, you know, sort of the, the work after that in terms of mobilizing your joints. I'm, I'm going to stress the point that Justin and Sal both are making even more. Uh, so I, I don't know how long you've been listening to the show, but during the, the time that we've been recording the show, uh, I tore my Achilles. And I tore yeah. my Achilles from the exact thing that you're talking about right now is my strength to weight ratio did not match what it did when I played basketball. When I played basketball competitively, I was like 180 pounds. Like then all of a sudden I became right. this big meathead, okay, 230 yep. pounds and strong. And because I felt, you know, I was still in, sh I was in shape, I was in good shape. I thought I could go out and play basketball. And I even thought, oh, what I'll do is I'll just go do some pickup games at 24 Hour Fitness. So not real competitive, like not on the highest level, but because I still have that athletic mindset when I hit the court, as you probably do when you pick up, a, you know, pick up the fencing, same thing. Like, and I blew my Achilles and I was not even going really, really hard, but my, the ratio was off and my Achilles just weren't ready for that type of movement. So be very, very careful and cautious of that, uh, especially like the Achilles. And to reinforce that, you know, um, I wish I would have followed our friend Corey Schlesinger. Uh, he he puts together a lot of really good like training exercises to reinforce uh, the joint mobility and strength, especially in the ankle, the knee, and the hip area. Which is he's specific to basketball. So even though it's not fencing, I think a lot of those movement and exercises has carryover. Mm -hmm to supporting what you're trying to do. So take a look at his his Instagram, and I, I, I we'll have somebody tag it on this, uh, what it is. I think it's, is it Schlesinger Training, or I forget what Corey is. Schles strength. Is it, what is it? Slesh Strength. Okay, Slesh Strength. Yeah. Um, and we'll tag it on the on this episode or whatever so you can see it. Yeah. But take a look. He's got a lot of really cool uh, exercises yeah. that he- Assisted plyometrics yes. and things like that, that you can still get the response, but do it in a way where you're not adding damage. Uh, I do have a very specific question though. I wanted to ask you, like, can you watch Zorro without like totally being cringe? So, um, <laughs> I would underscore again that this is the Olympic sport of fencing. So we move like forward and back on a piece like it's it's very um there's no jumping so you're not yeah jumping formulaic. on tables so it's not it's not like moving fencing <laughs> no <laughs> okay. not at all. okay um yeah Fair no I, I listen i mean I, the, the biggest challenge for you i'm gonna tell you right now you, you said you're studying for a phd is going to be consistency <laughs> um yeah one or two exercises a day that's it literally you walk in the gym go in and pick from squats deadlifts overhead presses lunges rows bench presses you know all the compound kind of basic lifts and just pick one or two, practice them, and in and out, in and out, 20 minutes, do that every single day. You'll be blown away by the results you get, and I, I, it'll be better than doing one full body workout a week. It'll actually be better than that. So just just start with that, and then when you go practice, you know, go, go and, real and, easy. And keep in mind, you are, just so you know, you're throwing a bit at yourself. Uh, okay, you, you're not really lifting consistently right now. Sal's advice is perfect for like you want to you want to maintain a healthy, fit, strong, good-looking physique. Like that is perfect. 
you also kind of have this like, oh, and I also would like to get back into fencing a little bit, which is a, a total different goal and would require a, a different discipline. So you are, and then, oh, by the way, I'm going to go get my PhD. Okay. Yeah. So you are biting off quite a bit right here, just so you know. And personally, I would probably pick one of those two things as far as what's going on with my training that I would probably focus on currently right now. Not that you can't necessarily do both, but you are, you're, you are asking a lot to say, hey, I, I have a total different strength to weight ratio now. I recognize that I probably need to get my, which is very smart, because if not, you probably will do something to your Achilles, knees, or your hips. So knowing that you need to address that. And then at the same time, too, you're like, I'm limited to the time that I can lift weights, and I also want to be overall healthy. So I personally, I would try, if you were my client, I'd be like, hey, can we, right, you're in the middle of this PhD, can we just do the advice Sal saying and just be strong and fit and then maybe over wait, time. Wait, see how you feel. Yeah, wait, see how you feel, get in the rhythm of that and then I'll, then I'll start to give you little bits of this Corey Schlesinger guy's movements and I'll start adding those into your routine because a lot of that stuff you could do either at home or in those small training blocks that Sal's talking about and start kind of building that resiliency up to kind of do both all at once you might be setting yourself up for failure. And I think it would be an incredible accomplishment to do either one of those simultaneously, like getting, but while getting your PhD. Yeah, see what happens. What are you studying, by the way? Um, I do cell biology. So particularly infectious oh, easy diseases. Stuff, yeah. um, so it's, it's very topical right now. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Well, good. I'm glad okay. you're doing that. That's a, we, we need more scientists in that field, but yeah. yeah so, so yeah, practice the lifts every day. Just do that. See how you feel. I think you'll be very surprised. Yeah, thank you. You got thank it. Thank you for uh, for helping me balance my different goals and yeah. uh, and obviously much love. Thanks for everything that you guys do and building up this great community. Thanks, thank Emmy. you. Right Appreciate on. it. Thanks. Yeah, dude, fencing's crazy, bro. If you ever watched the competition, first of watch, all, dude. first of all, it took me a while to figure out who the hell made the point. Like you see them, yeah. Well, like, can huh? you imagine they both stab? Could you each imagine other being like, the intruder and she grabs her fucking sword? Bro, get out of there. <laughs> You're fucked. She does like some some little warm up. It's real the quick. kind that like just skewers you, right? <laughs> yeah. It's not like a slicing. Yeah. You're, You're like, like you didn't even do anything. <laughs> Look down. Oh, yeah. yeah. Anyway, yeah. You know, she she's okay. So uh, okay, I already know this this personality type. PhD student was a competitive athlete. She's high achiever. Dude. Yeah, very likely to be like, I'll do it all, right? Sure. And burn herself out. That's yeah. why I'm like, look, just go. And and I also know, like, like it's harder for somebody with a busy schedule to pick an hour a week to take that out of their schedule versus just 15 minutes a day. You know, yeah. just go do one lift. That's it. And she said it perfect. On the way to work or on the way to you know school, I do my yeah. lift or two, and then I go back at it. And I think that would be great. Best no, your advice around that I think is absolutely perfect. My concern with her is that she's also wanting to do it while also get back yeah, to fencing. Because yeah. I mean, I have this feeling right now. Like I, I really, I've been saying this for a while. I really want to get back into playing basketball, and I've been telling myself, and I haven't been putting the training in. Mm -hmm. And the truth is, I also want to stay fit and muscular, and so that's been taking enough of my time just kind of balancing that out. And so I've, you know, passed up on going down and playing ball, even though I really want to, because I know better. Yeah. I know that I, I'm not putting the work in necessary to really protect myself from not getting hurt. And I know my mentality going into playing that sport is I don't have an off. I don't have this like, oh, I'll just kind of play slow with everybody and let everybody whoop my ass. <laughs> like, that's not happening, dude. Yeah. So I, I, I just I would prefer her if I could if I could, you know, convince her just to do your advice yeah same you know what i'm saying and get fit get strong see how you feel and then just take it from there yeah and then like okay and then if you really then want to also then we'll add in like let's start adding in some mobility work and some plyometrics and mm -hmm. some things to like benefit what adam we, you got to start at the elementary 
Right? That's what I do. I go to my kid's school. I <laughs> yeah. dominate them. I move to the junior high. Just dunk on them. Go to high school. It's just, it's levels. What if, we, what if we totally misunderstood and she said competitive fencing? It's literally people building fences so you could do it the fastest. <laughs> you imagine that? <laughs> I didn't imagine it at all. <laughs> <laughs> Our next caller is Granny Guns from Pennsylvania. Oh, my good. I've seen you on the talks. Granny How you doing? Guns. What's How that? you doing, Granny? <laughs> I'm ready. Excellent. What's your question? How can we help you? Okay. The main question, first question is going to be, um, what are some of the most common misconceptions about lifting at an older age? And how can those misconceptions be dispelled? Oh, great question. Yeah. Uh, you know, one of the, the, the number one misconceptions is that strength training is dangerous. Uh, and that if you have joint pain, strength training makes the joint pain worse. So I would get clients, let's say over the age of 65, for example, and they say, well, I can't do anything that, bad that involves my knees because it's going to make my knees worse. That's totally false. Now, of course, you have to train appropriately, but strengthening the muscles that support the joints makes the pain much less. And in fact, oftentimes actually corrects the issue in the first place and the pain is gone completely. So Proper strength training is one of the best forms of exercise to fight the some of the, the, the things that happen to our bodies as they age, and this includes uh, pain. It's the best anti-aging thing you can do. Totally. There's also this idea that you cannot be in the best shape of your life when you're the oldest you've ever been, right? So you're. I've had many clients that are 65 years old and can say that I am healthier, fitter, and stronger, Adam, today at 65 than I was at 25 or 35. And a lot of people think that uh, you can't do that, and you absolutely can get in the best shape of your life, even in advanced age. I agree 100% because I am a classic example of that. I had knee pain, and I started exercising, and I it has improved my knee joints and the support around my kneecaps, and I don't have the knee pain that I had eight years ago. Excellent. That's awesome. What else you got for us? Our next question is the benefits of lifting at an older age, which you've already expressed some of um, physically, but mentally also, and how it can uh, be preventative for some health issues for people at an older age. Oh boy, you know, they're, they're, it's the only form of exercise that that has been shown to uh, to kind of stop the progression of the amyloid beta plaques that seem to be associated with Alzheimer's. Now it doesn't, we, we know it doesn't now, it doesn't cause the symptoms, but there is some kind of a connection. And strength training, there was a study down out of Sydney, Australia that showed that strength training had the best effects on the brain in that particular context. Also strength training trains proprioceptive ability better than most, almost any other form of exercise. So if you think about like, like running in place, like a, on, a, on a treadmill or riding a bike, you're kind of doing the same movement over and over. Proper strength training involves moving laterally, moving in the in you know forward, backwards, rotating, bringing things above your head. This trains what's called proprioceptive ability in the brain and balance, which was as we know, as people get older, strength loss and uh, issues with balance contribute to falls, which are actually one of the number one cause of uh, of problems and even death um, as we get older. Strength training directly combats uh, those things. And then, uh, you know, look, when it comes to the brain, insulin sensitivity is very important. So when you look at cognitive disorders, there's a very strong correlation between cognitive disorders 
and insulin uh, resistance. Well, building muscle is one of the best things you could do for insulin sensitivity. They're very insulin sensitive tissues. Muscle also stores glycogen, which is what we get from carbohydrates. So building a little bit of muscle makes your body more sensitive to insulin. And this likely has a very direct effect on brain health. So it's phenomenal for, for cognitive ability. I'm going to keep exercising then in that case. Yeah, <laughs> I'm going to keep lifting heavier weights. All right. You got another question for us? Uh, certainly. Um, benefits of having a fitness routine at an older age. How it can give retired people, people that are retired actually have nothing to do, give them a purpose. Well, you just said it right there in the question. I mean, that's uh, one of my favorite things of getting a client. I mean, I've many times trained clients who just recently had a spouse pass away and you see them, they look like they age 10 years overnight when something mm -hmm. like that happens and they, they lose their purpose to live and having a, a, a reason to come to the gym, to get stronger, to get healthier, gives them a goal, gives them something to focus on. A lot of times we'll reignite that purpose in their life. And so um, I think it's one of the best things that you can do for somebody in advanced age, especially as they're going in that that part of their life or that season of their life where they're retired or losing a spouse is keeping them focused on continuing to grow and improve himself. You know, just because somebody is 60, 70, 80 years old does not mean that we continue. We cannot continue to progress and get better. Yeah. Yeah, it provides, you know, strength. It, it provides community. If you're in a gym, you, you get to show up and interact with people. So there's like more opportunities for those types of interactions every day where you have this community, you have this network of people that uh, are there supporting you. Uh, you're able-bodied again because you're now providing your body with strength so you can uh, be out and about and and walking and, you know, traveling and doing, you know, more things uh, that you can be involved in. So there's just a lot of benefits to, um, you know, focusing on strength training for that reason. Yeah. And, and you know, here's a big one. This is very simple. Um, when you, before you retire, you tend to have structure in your day and it tends to be connected to your job. So it's like, I wake up at this time, I go to work, I come home at this time, I eat dinner, do my thing. And then I repeat the thing. And then all of a sudden you don't have work anymore and your days start to blend, kind of melt together and you lose structure. Some of my most consistent clients were clients that were retired because it gave them structure. Mm -hmm. So they set that workout and then that workout became an anchor point for their day. So I know that at 8 a.m. I'm going to go to the gym and I'm going to work out and that sets them up. They wake up at a particular time because they have a workout. Well, now that sets me up for lunch when I meet with my friend and they develop this kind of the schedule, the structure to their to their day. So and that's I mean, that's just old advice. It's like when you when you retire one of the things that, that that people will tell you to do is to create some structure in your day, like keep structure, even though you don't have to get up for work, give yourself a, a time to wake up, a time to go to bed and things to do in the middle. Otherwise it just kind of starts to blend together yeah. and it feels, uh, you know, it feels like you're, you're, you're aimless. And it increases that libido. Am I right guys? Very good. <laughs> All right. You got one more question I see. Yes. Uh, dietary needs for older people, specifically trying to maintain the active lifestyle um, what should they focus on in their diet? Not only for physical performance, but mental performance, everything. I mean, in general, what would be the best things that they should focus on to keep healthy and physically active? Yeah, protein first. Protein, actually, protein has been shown in studies. A higher protein diet is actually more beneficial as we age, uh, believe it or not. Um, so now it's actually, that's actually starting to become standard practice is to advise people as they get older to eat more protein. 
Um, the other thing I would say is uh, supplementing with creatine is actually quite important for cognitive health um, and for mm -hmm. cellular health. So you'll, I, I would find that when I would have my older clients take you know two or three grams of creatine a day, um, that they would come back and just say, oh man, I just feel better. I feel more energy. I feel sharper. Um, creatine in increases the amount of ATP which, uh, that our cells have as, as energy. And, and that's all the cells. So that's not just your muscle cells, but it's every cell in your body runs off of this energy. So creatine is a very good supplement. And then I would recommend um, nutrient-dense foods, very, very nutrient-dense foods. Whole eggs are very nutrient-dense. Uh, meat is very nutrient dense. Fish is very nutrient dense. Now, of course, there may be some contraindications. So, of course, if your blood lipids are okay, everything looks good. Doctor says, you know, everything looks great. I would go for those nutrient dense foods because nutrient deficiencies are actually quite high in the aging population. It's actually, you start to see these nutrient deficiencies appear in in aging populations uh, more often than sometimes you see in the younger populations. And I think it's because they think they need to eat less, they become less active, or I need to cut certain foods out of my diet. And they often tend to be some of the most nutrient-dense foods. So those are the pieces of advice that I would have. Yeah, and to, the, to add on to that, I would, I mean, I would, my clients, I would always be encouraging to get, you know, blood work done so I could be more specific, right? Because, you know, one client might have an iron deficiency, the other one does not. One client might have right. a vitamin D deficiency, the other one does not. And those types of supplements are going to be far more beneficial than taking some of the, you know, performance supplements and things totally. like that over the counter. So the generic first advice is keep them on a high protein, whole food type of diet. That's what I'm, I'm pushing. And then get blood work done. Let's see if there's any other areas that you're lacking in nutrients. And then we would supplement for those things for overall health. Totally. Is that all your questions? Being on the diet, I just had one more question. I was just yes. thinking about it while you were talking. Bone support in older people. Now, I know our bones deteriorate. Um, they become more fragile. And yes, muscle will help support them. What about dietary supplement for bone support? Yeah. And then the other question I have is getting too much B12 or vitamin D in your system. How is that detrimental for us older folks? Yeah. So Okay. So let's, let's go back to strengthening your bones. If your muscles are getting stronger, your bones are getting stronger. There's nothing that'll make your bones strong like being physically strong. So nutrients aside, you got to lift weights. You got to have weight-bearing exercise to strengthen that. If you find a 75-year-old that has consistently done strength training for you know 30 years, their bones are going to be as strong as the average 20-something-year-old. I mean, literally, it, it makes that big of a difference. If you're building muscle, you're building bone density. Yes. Now, as far as nutrients are concerned, you don't need to supplement with any nutrients unless there's a deficiency. That's right. So unless you have a deficiency in calcium or vitamin D or magnesium, for example, those are all important nutrients for bone health. Unless you have a deficiency, supplementing with them isn't going to help. So I would first get tested yeah. to see if I have a deficiency. And if I do, then I would supplement with whatever I have a deficiency in while strength training. Supplementing with those things, if you don't need them, isn't going to help you out at all. And, and you mentioned B12 and vitamin, and vitamin D. B12 is, is water-soluble. So it's you can definitely take too much and you'll start to notice some nerve side effects, uh, You know, maybe some neuropathy if it's really high. But you got to take a lot of B12 for that to happen. Mm -hmm. Vitamin D, on the other hand, is fat soluble. You could you could definitely take too much vitamin D, and that can be toxic to the body. But the only way to know is if you get tested. The only way to know if you're taking too much or too little is to get and it's very simple. You know, vitamin mineral test. You know, there, there's hair tests that do it. We work with uh, Dr. Cabral's team. In fact, 
We have a free forum called mpholistichealth.com that anybody can join on Facebook. And they're, they'll, they talk about testing where you can see if you're lacking certain nutrients. But if you're, if you're lacking nutrients, supplement with them. If you already have them, supplementing with them makes no difference and no sense at all, especially the fat-soluble ones because they get stored in the body. So vitamin D, you can definitely go over. B12, a lot more challenging. Is it possible? Yeah, you could supplement with the, the crap out of it. But it's because it's water-soluble, we tend to not see people take too much vitamin B12. But that's why the original advice is first to high-protein, whole-food diet first. That should cover most things, but then there's still there still could be deficiencies. That's why we do blood work, find out what that is, and then we only supplement for something that you're deficient in. And we're not going to supplement just because people market to advance people in age that, oh, you should take calcium for your bones or, oh, you should yeah. take B12. That's mm -hmm. such a general blanket statement for everybody. I've had plenty of clients in advanced age that don't need any of that because they have incredible diets. But then I've also had plenty of clients that are in advanced age that need a lot of that supplementation. So it really matters on whether you need it or not and how you've consistently ate over your lifetime and then finding that out first before we ever recommend a supplement. Yeah, it's like taking your car to the mechanic and the mechanic does zero diagnostics and then tries to fix your car. Like it doesn't make any sense, right? So you got you to get that testing done if you want to supplement uh, the right way. Okay. Yeah. Okay, that was a good good answer. Thank you very much because I am having some problems with neuropathy myself and I do take B12. So I'll just eliminate it from my diet. Yeah. You might be taking too much and it's an easy test. You can actually get B12 uh, in, tested in your in your blood. And if your levels are really, really high, I mean, do you eat meat? Do you, do you eat meat on a regular basis? Some, not a lot. Um, okay. Eggs and fish and turkey pr primarily, not so much well, red that, meat. That's okay. And how often do you eat eggs, fish and turkey? Eggs every day, um, turkey usually every day, beef maybe every other day. Your, your B12, yeah, is, you're, you're probably getting enough B12 from your food, but the only way to know mm -hmm. for sure is to test it. But if you're getting some neuropathy, it could mm -hmm. be that you're, I mean, how much B12 are you taking? You're taking what, like 12,000, 15,000 MCGs a day? Oh, I don't think it's only like 12 milligrams once a day. Yeah, 12 milligrams is a lot of, of B12. That's like, what is that, 5,000% of the RDA or something like that? I have to look at the bottle, honestly. Yeah, I, I might I might be wrong, but that might be a big dose. Again, it's water-soluble, so they can do that, and usually people are okay. But if you've been supplementing a long time with that much mm -hmm. B12... While also eating... While also eating those things, I would get your your blood levels tested just to see if your, your blood levels of B12 are just are, are too high. Very worth it. Well, they did, they did tell me that one time. They tested my blood and told me to back off on the B because I had too much in my blood. Yeah. And I did back off, but I still had the neuropathy issues. Somewhat. Yeah. I, yeah. I would test again and then stop taking it if that's the case. But thanks okay. for calling. And thanks for what you do, by the way. You look phenomenal. I love your, I love your videos. Thank you very much. Yeah. Yeah. You got it. I'm going to keep going at Inspiring it. I enjoy everybody it. Out. You All got right. it. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks again. Thank you. Bye-bye. You know, you know what I love about uh, people who work out as they get into the advanced age and they're consistent? The difference between, like, for example, the difference between her and everybody else in her age group is so, if you see her move oh and God. walk around and work out compared to the average person her age, it's so different. It's yeah. it's like literally she's mobile, she's independent, she's healthy, she's strong, and they have, they're have they on 15 different medications. They need help. They can't Hunched do everything over, for themselves. They can't get out of the seat. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's uh, absolutely What I insane. love about her story and, and, and people like her is that I believe that she she found strength training way late in her yeah. life. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's always really cool to see somebody in advanced age be able to say things like, you know, here I am in my 60s and I feel like I'm in the best shape of my life. Like that's 
that's phenomenal when you think about that. And it's so counter to what people think. They think totally. like, oh, I'm, you know, my best was when I was in my 20s. And, you know, when you get 30, 40, 50, it's yeah. just like, oh, it's I'll never be yeah. like a young kid anymore. Am I too old to work out? You're too old not to work out. Look, if you like our information, head over to mindpumpfree.com and check out our guides. Uh, we have guides that can help you with almost any health or fitness goal. You can also find all of us on social media. So Justin is on Instagram at mindpumpjustin. Adam is on Instagram at mindpumpadam. And you can find me on Twitter at Mind Pump Sal. Thank you for listening to Mind Pump. If your goal is to build and shape your body, dramatically improve your health and energy, and maximize your overall performance, check out our discounted RGB Super Bundle at mindpumpmedia.com. The RGB Super Bundle includes MAPS Anabolic, MAPS Performance, and MAPS Aesthetic. Nine months of phased expert exercise programming designed by Sal, Adam, and Justin to systematically transform the way your body looks, feels, and performs. With detailed workout blueprints and over 200 videos, the RGB Super Bundle is like having Sal, Adam, and Justin as your own personal trainers, but at a fraction of the price. The RGB Super Bundle has a full 30-day money-back guarantee, and you can get it now plus other valuable free resources at mindpumpmedia.com. If you enjoy this show, please share the love by leaving us a five-star rating and review on iTunes and by introducing Mind Pump to your friends and family. We thank you for your support, and until next time, this is Mind Pump.